0: Hi, I'm your host, Nicole Kane, and you're listening to the Home in Place podcast, where I translate theory to practice and create cross disciplined conversations about aging and the importance of place. I am so glad you're here. Today, I'm talking with Amanda Goodnow and Christopher Lee, both from the Colorado VNA. The Colorado VNA was the first organization in the state to implement the CAPABLE program, a remarkable evidence-based method to enable aging in place. CAPABLE stands for Community Aging in Place, Advancing Better Living for Elders. Amanda Goodnow is an occupational therapist and capable program manager. Christopher Lee is president and CEO of the Colorado VNA. Amanda and Chris, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And I'm, I'm thrilled because I am in person, live in your studio here at the Colorado VNA. It's very exciting. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Our pleasure. (laughs) Um, So I want to start with you, Amanda. We're going to talk about the CAPABLE program, and I'd love for you to talk about the research behind the CAPABLE program. Kind of What what does CAPABLE stand for? How did this research come about? What university started this and the
1: statistics that they found that I find interesting? So the program started at Johns Hopkins University School of Nursing in 2009 by Dr. Sarah Santon. She initially did a 40-person pilot, and from there was able to get funding to do two larger pilots. One was from 2012 to 2015, and the other one was from 2012 to 2016. One study found that um, through the program, this program saved insurance about $22,000 over a two-year period per client by decreasing hospitalizations and emergency room visits. This study, um, CAPABLE, was compared to five other um, models that were home-based care, which may have included a nurse, a social worker, whether it was a registered nurse or an LPN. But CAPABLE was the only one that included an occupational therapist in the home modification aspect. And so that's one of the reasons why um, the program has been so successful, is because those two disciplines have also been added to the program. Then another study found um, that after the program, the individuals had increased independence with their ADLs by almost 75%. They had increased independence with their IADLs by 65%. And for those people who aren't familiar with that lingo, um, ADLs include dressing, bathing, going to the bathroom, eating, self-care things. IADLs would be your homemaking, medication management, financial management, um, laundry, cooking, that kind of stuff. And then they also found that depressive symptoms improved by almost 53% and home hazards improved by 77%. So through this program, having the OT, a nurse and the handy person come in and help with home modifications and repairs overall the individual felt safer and more independent at home.
0: That's remarkable. And so can you walk us through a little bit what what it might look like as um, if someone is receiving the services and I think that um, one question that often comes up with capable when I talk to people is um, is how is this different than home
1: health? Okay so we're considered more like consultants. We're not actually providing skilled services. So we go in the OT has six visits The nurse has four visits, and then the construction specialist actually has two visits there. One is to measure, and then the second is the install date. So the OT does a two-day evaluation, and then on the second day, we formulate three goals with the client. And these are goals that the client wants to work on, and we help them narrow down, but the client ultimately picks what they want to work on. For instance, we've had people that will do traditional things that you'll see in therapy, be able to get in and out of the bathtub or shower easier on and off the toilet. Or we had a gentleman who really wanted to be able to play his guitar again and wanted to be able to, um, be able to write um, sermons on his computer because he was a preacher before and he was, a, he was in a car accident and was paralyzed. So it can be leisure things too. And then with the nurse, they formulate three goals with the nurse also, and it can involve incontinence, trying to stop smoking or decrease smoking, pain management, depression, things like that. Um, but they ultimately, they formulate these goals. And then from there, we teach them how to problem solve and brainstorm those goals. So initially we're really giving them ideas on how to problem solve these areas, but by the time we're on our like, ladder visits, they are able to problem solve, or we get there and like, I've already figured out how to do that goal, let's pick something else. And if they wanna pick another goal, then we just take away a goal and they add another one in.
0: Oh, I love it, I love the flexibility. So Chris, how did the Colorado VNA discover this program? And if you could tell us just a little bit of background about the Colorado VNA too, that'd be wonderful.
2: Excellent. Well, Colorado VA, we're actually the oldest home health agency in the state of Colorado. We're about 129 years old. Uh, originally founded to um, bring support and comfort to, to, the, to the aged and the sick and discover that we, they really needed health care and, and not comfort. Um, and really since then have been um, really doing a lot of innovative things over, over, over the last century. Um, I started in this role. It'd be five years in May and I was looking for uh, ways to help the organization remain sustainable, uh, and really looking at ways to not just be a traditional home health agency, looking at ways to help be um, provide more proactive care uh, in, in ways that we could keep people independent and ultimately out of facility-based care like hospital skilled nursings where possible. And it was literally as simple as doing a web search, came across a, a web, an article uh, that was talking about the future in ho- of home health. And one of the one of the programs that was described in there was capable and it seemed incredibly interesting and, and literally just sent an email to Dr. Santon uh, and that really started uh, the relationship. Um, so that's really how we heard about it is really through just discussing it and creating a relationship with Dr. Santon. Beyond that we um, being a nonprofit, we found funding through the Colorado Health Foundation. Um, so we really didn't have the funding to do it ourselves, but we we wrote a grant to, basically bring Capable here to Colorado for an initial cohort of 60 patients. And we've already gone through that 60 patients, so we're in the middle of starting our next group of patients.
0: Oh, fantastic. So as the Colorado VNA, so VNA stands for Visiting Nurses Association. Correct. Because you have this healthcare pool to pull from, you have the nurses and you have the occupational therapists on staff. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Where do you get your handyman?
2: So we um, created a relationship with Habitat in Metro Denver and um, i volunteered for habitat back out of college and have a friend that works here uh, for habitat and he connected me with the ceo habitat heather lafferty and literally we knew that we we did we do some um, slight home mod as an organization with volunteers but we really needed we knew that we needed someone much more professional than just volunteers so simply an email and conversation with heather and and created a relationship and ultimately the way it works is Colorado VNA uh, is responsible for finding the patients, coordinating the care, providing the care. Uh, and then we just collaborate uh, initially with Habitat as a vendor. So we, they have one defined person who has participated in this from the beginning. Uh, and then they invoice us for the work they're doing. And that comes out of the funding for that, comes out of the grant. That was so successful, we didn't realize this. But Habitat International had already created a relationship with Dr. Santon in the CAPABLE program, unbeknownst to us. So we created this program, this great partnership with Habitat here in Denver, uh, and then that ended up resulting in a large grant that Habitat International wrote um, to bring capable to, I think, five different communities or five different locations throughout the country. Uh, And they chose uh, Denver as one of them. So that provided funding for another 100 patients. We've already started admitting those patients.
0: Oh my gosh, congratulations, that's huge. Uh, well, I would love to hear more about what it's like on the inside. So what is it like? I know, Amanda, you're, you're in head of the Capable Program mm-hmm. here at the Colorado VNA. Um, what is What does it look like? Can you walk me through um, a client experience?
1: Okay. So, um, well, I can tell you what, about one client in particular. Please. I went out to see her. She's 90 years old, and she's quite um, a capable lady, but um, she was just okay with just being stuck inside. She's like, you know, I'm not gonna go out anymore. She actually takes care of her brother, who is 65 and um, has some mental um, um, disabilities. I believe she told me his mental capacity is about a seven-year-old, but she helps take care of him and he leaves during the day to go to a facility during the day and so she said after he left she was okay with just staying home and being inside until he came back well we started seeing her and one of her goals was she did she decided she did want to go to the community center or somewhere to exercise again she wanted to get out so i got her a four-wheeled walker for long distance walking. And she started going to the mall walking and was just really excited about that. She was going to the mall um, not too far from her house. And one day I came back and she said, you won't believe where I went. I said, where'd you go? She goes, I went to the Cherry Creek Mall and walked around. I said, you did what? Because that's a, a bit further from her house. And she was so excited about that because she hadn't been there in years and she loved going to that area of town. So it just gave her the ability for her to know that she could get out and do this stuff again. you know. And then with the walker, literally it was just so she could have a place to sit and rest when she needed to. Um, the other thing we did for her was um, we fixed the lock on the her back door because it didn't lock, and so she, just from that, she was like, "I feel so much safer." Like that was made the biggest difference in her life, was just having the lock on her storm door fixed. Um, and we did some other things for her. We installed an extra railing on her stairs, um, on the other side, and then we did. I um, was able to purchase her a tub mounted. Bar for getting in and out of the tub, because she literally gets down in the tub still. Um, and that made it a lot safer and it was less effort to get out of the tub. So, things like that are what we get to do um, through this program. We just get, we allow people to no longer feel stuck. Um, and so far, we have found that ADLs have improved by 77% and depression has improved by 57%, pain has improved by 53%, and fall risk have decreased by 48% with our individuals. Staggering, staggering Mm -hmm.
0: numbers. Okay, let's go back to acronyms for a second because I don't know if everyone knows what an ADL
1: is. What does that stand for, and what is an IADL, and how is that different? So ADLs are activities of daily living, and those are your toileting, getting dressed, both upper and lower body, um, grooming and hygiene, and then IADLs were your instrumental, and that's your housekeeping, your laundry, cooking, managing your medications, and things like that. Yeah, the
0: things that we do every day, right? We don't mm-hmm. don't even realize it until we can't do them.
1: Anymore. Exactly,
0: exactly. Yeah. So, how do people become part of the Colorado VNA's Capable Program? How, if they wanted to um, receive these services, do they need to qualify through? So there the are doctor,
1: some how does that work so there are some qualifying factors because it is grant funded and it is part of a research study still um, but they would just contact me they could either email me or call me with their information and I could call them about the program talk to them about it see if they qualify um, and then we could go from there we do not require a physician's order because again it's not skilled care it's more consultant work so um, it's really just contacting me and seeing if they qualify.
0: Excellent. So I want to hear more stories. Can you tell me more stories
1: from the field and um, for other client experiences? I can. So I would say the biggest thing we have found is depression, just Mm -hmm. their overall um, mood has improved. I had a client also that was severely depressed. She had fallen and fractured her shoulder. So she was non-surgical. So she had received home health services. And that's actually how we received the referral was from our our social worker that saw her in home health. And I went out to see her. She was really upset because she couldn't drive. She has a stick shift car and she broke her right sh- shoulder. So she cannot use the stick shift. And we were talking and we started um, going over her goals and things like that. And one was be able to get in and out of the house easier. So we were able to add railings on the side of her house for, this, for her steps. And then ultimately, towards the end, she was so involved in the community, like she was calling her friends for rides. Initially, she wouldn't call anybody for a ride because she didn't want to be a burden to anybody. And at the end, she was going to a book club once a month with friends and going to play cards with friends once a month and was calling her friends to come and get her and take her out. So, you know, just again, getting involved in the community, getting out of the house and not feeling stuck inside anymore was huge and going out wasn't a goal of hers, but that's what eventually happened through other goals that she worked on with us. Oh, how fantastic.
0: I'm really curious to hear if um, what, what you've no, been noticing with inside the homes or apartments or wherever you're working. What kind of changes are people needing inside the home as well?
1: I would say the most would be adding appropriate railings and grab bars throughout, like at the, in the doorways, um, entering and exiting the home. We have found that we're able to add a small grab bar right there in the door jamb. So when they're stepping up, they're able to hold on right in front of them instead of around a wall to grab a hold. And we found that that's been really successful, putting one like right below the doorknob. So the door still shuts and you can still open and close it okay, but they're able to reach in and step in and out. We've also um, the additional railings for stairs. So they have a railing on both sides. Or we've been able to um, add platform steps, so the steps aren't quite as narrow, there's more room for their foot, or even half a step, so they're not stepping up such a high step to get in and out of the house. Other things that I found to be successful are, are some of the anti-fatigue mats for in the kitchen. So people who really like to cook, but they have neuropathy and their feet really hurt or their back really hurt. So having something with more support that they can stand on, but it's not slippery and it's not gonna slide around on them. So it doesn't increase the fall risk. Um, that has been really helpful. There have been, you know, risers for the toilet the railings around the toilet to help people get up and down um, easier. Things like that have been really um, helpful around the house.
0: Yeah, um, because every city's different, and the vernacular architecture of each place is a little bit different. What what are the t- what are the housing types here in Colorado that you're serving?
1: Are they older homes? Are they row houses? Are they condos? What What are you seeing here? We're seeing mostly older homes built like in the 1920s or a little maybe not quite that old Um, but typically those are the houses that we're in we are also in some um, some town homes and you know or some people live with family so they do have to own their own home to participate in the program because of the home modifications we're doing So a lot of the people who have lived, are living with like their children or other family members, the houses haven't been as um, in need, but we're still able to provide things that they wouldn't provide, get otherwise, like the additional steps, if the steps to get in and out, because a lot of the houses here do not have the no step entry. There's usually at least three or four steps to get in and out of the house, depending on what which direction they go as far as the through the garage or the front door so um but i would say most of the houses are older they're not the row houses they're not in as um as bad of conditions as some of the houses were in baltimore that we saw videos of during our training but um, we're able to find other ways of helping people in their homes and yeah. just remain safe and independent. Yeah, and
0: you found some pretty startling statistics that I'd love for you to share about the
1: house, the, the 1%. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so um, what we found is that in order to age successfully in home, there are five things that you need to age successfully in home. One is a no-step entry. The second is to live on one level. The third is to have wide hallways and doorways. The fourth, accessible outlets and switches. And the fifth is to have lever handles and faucets, lever handles on your doors and faucets. And there's only 1% in the United States that actually have all five of those features. Isn't that remarkable? So through the program, we're trying to help people. Instead of adapting them to their house, we're trying to adapt their house to them so they can stay.
0: Speaking my language. (laughs) Uh, so, Chris, I want to come back to you, too, and talk about the future of the CAPABLE program within the Colorado VNA, kind of what, what you hope for, what you see, mm-hmm. what, you want to, what you want to do with this. So we're still really
2: early with the program. One, one aspect of the grant was to actually do real research, um, really to try to replicate uh, the outcomes that uh, was seen in Baltimore. Um, so we, we have seen very similar outcomes around depressive symptoms, fall risk, so on and so forth. But the gold standard in healthcare is: to Have we actually decreased readmissions? And really, to figure that out, we have to look at um, compare uh, our patients that have been through Capable uh, to patients that are similar uh, or people that are similar in age and geography. So we're just going to be doing that in the next uh, six months uh, or so. Really, what we hope to be able to show is that we really are decreasing readmissions and decreasing decreasing costs by twenty thousand dollars over two years. So really where we wanna go is to create this into a sustainable business model. Yes, we're nonprofit, but that doesn't mean we don't need to make money and have margins. So we wanna be able to prove that this is, the efficacy is the way it has been or way it is in, in Baltimore, and actually sell this to um, insurance companies that they wanna provide this for their members so that they can keep them home longer. Um, so that's, not, that's one aspect of the whole business development uh, strategy. The second thing that we're really thinking about It really feels like this should be something that people be really interested in in themselves to self-pay. So as Amanda mentioned, it was initially focused on people who are, we would say, applicable for Medicaid, for instance, people who are below 200% of the federal federal poverty level. But the reality is so many people need additional assistance to to have people come in to look at their homes, irrespective of their ability to pay or or not, uh, and provide that level of oversight. So... For instance, say my parents lived up um, in another state, I would be very interested in providing this level of care for them um, to really make sure that I know that the house has been adapted appropriately, that we've looked at what the risk factors are, so on and so forth. So we're looking at this as being kind of a private pay service line as well, so really interested in testing that in the next year or so. Um, And then third, we really feel like we want to continue providing this uh, for people who are in the Medicaid sphere because there's so much dollars spent on um, keeping people in skilled nursing and quite frankly with the large explosion of people 65 and older in the state of Colorado there's not going to be enough beds so ultimately the only real solution is to keep people uh, in the home in their communities as long as possible so we really want to continue as part of our mission being able to provide capable uh, for that community.
0: I'm so excited I'm so excited to watch you grow um, so I want to end with an offer for a call to action. Do mm-hmm. you have um, partners that you'd like to be more involved with? What, what, what would you like the listeners to
2: consider doing? So we're, as um, as we mentioned, we're still a, a two years into this. So in the sphere of research and, and medical and, and growth and deployment of new programs, it's still pretty early. Um, but I'd love to hear, is there interest uh, for your listeners to be able to provide this uh, on a self-pay basis? So just doing some research, really, just t- seeing what the interest is, number one. Number two, design buildings with at least two or three or all five of those functions uh, that Amanda mentioned. They're all pretty simple um, so, so that as people buy or move into buildings that you might be designing, that they can stay there as long as possible. That's kind of a third, second call to action. And then a third, we always are looking for funding to provide this for those that don't have the ability to pay. So always are taking donations as an organization, and and that would be able to be directed specifically towards the capable program. So those are kind of my three calls to action.
0: Excellent. Chris and Amanda, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to Home & Place Podcast. You can find links to the items we discussed on the website, homeandplacepodcast.com. Subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode. While you're there, please rate and review the show. This really does help more people find the podcast. If you have show ideas, I would love to hear them. Reach out on my website or social media. I'm on Facebook and Instagram at Home and Place. I'm your host, Nicole Kane, founder of Home and Place Project. I'm a researcher and consultant focused on age-friendly community planning, residential universal design, and person-centered analysis of the built environment. To connect, collaborate, or just find out more about me and my work, visit my website, homeandplaceproject.com. Written transcripts are coming for all episodes of Home and Place Podcast. You can find those on the website, homeandplacepodcast.com. Special thanks to the Audio Information Network of Colorado for broadcasting this episode to their radio listeners. Learn more about them at aincolorado.org. And finally, thank you to Delia of Northfield, Minnesota for composing and performing this original music. Take us home, Delia.
2: Thank you for listening to Home and Place Podcast.